Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out Podcast. That was Hokagu Grind Time, the song, People Die When They Are Killed. It's off of Hokagu Grind Time 2, the second raid. And uh, that's, a, that's a solo mincecore grindcore project from Andrew Lee. You might have heard him on the podcast a couple weeks ago. We talked about his, his other band, Ripped to Shreds, and their new album, Jubian which is one of the best death metal releases of the year. Maybe this will be one of the best grindcore, mincecore albums of the year. That's for you to decide, not me, because I don't know exactly what mincecore is. I can tell you that the cover of this album has a head of lettuce on it. I do not know what the significance is. I don't know what makes smaller particles grinding or mincing. I'm going to think it's grinding. I don't know how that weighs into the name of the of the sound. I, I don't know. This is where they lose me a little bit. Uh, heavy metal and its subgenres can get a little strange, and I think mincecore is among the strangest because I am totally unfamiliar. Anyway, I shouldn't sell it like that. I should sell it that it is awesome. It is a great listen if you like grindcore. How about that? I can tell you that. That's for sure. So check it out. Hokagu Grind Time. Hokagu Grind Time 2, the second raid. Comes out this week. Be on the lookout for it. If you like what you just heard, you'll like the rest of the record, I can guarantee it. Anyway, speaking of things that are hard to define, on this episode of the podcast, I got an interview with Dave Brenner of Grid Failure. What's Grid Failure? It's noise. I haven't had many noise artists on Getting It Out podcast, but I have had some. Scott Roselle of Sterile Prayer comes to mind. But anyway, we're talking about uh, all sorts of stuff that he does with Grid Failure, and we're going to get into that. So, 
Let's hit that getting it out podcast intro music. Chicky! Make family out of friends! Make friends out of enemies! Peace to my family! Make friends till they bury all the places we've been! We're never sitting it out! We be getting it in! Where you getting it out? I said all the places we've been! We're never sitting it out! We'll be getting it in! Where you getting it out? We are clear into November now, and I got to tell you, it's only a couple days in, but I feel like I'm running behind already because I put out 10 episodes in October, by far the most I've done ever. Definitely double the amount I put out in any other month this year. I don't know that I'll continue that pace. Obviously, I'm not going to because I already have stopped. This episode was recorded in the midst of that spree. I always wanted to get Dave on the podcast to talk about his project, Grid Failure. I work with Dave regularly and his wife, Liz, through EarSplit PR. By far the best and easiest PR agency out there for extreme music. If you, your band, need representation, reach out to them. I guarantee you it'll work out in your favor. No one's even asking me to say that. I just mean it. But Dave has this project, Grid Failure. He's been in other bands in the past, and we have some mutual friends because he is from where I'm from, where I live, I should say, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So, of course, we're going to talk a little bit about local stuff. You can never get away from that. There is always going to be personal information in Getting It Out podcast, no matter what other podcasts think should be in their podcast. I don't give a shit. They have their own. I have mine. But so speaking of personal and local stuff, how about a little Philadelphia sports update? The Philadelphia Phillies are up two games to one in the World Series. I don't really care about that, but it's uh, fun for the city. Good for them. I hope they win. Uh, the Eagles still undefeated, 7-0. and The Sixers have finally turned it around to a 500 team. Fuck the Brooklyn Nets. They fired Steve Nash yesterday. Shouldn't have done that. I guess it's probably a good thing for Steve. Um, and then they're going to hire Ime Udoka. Wow, that's your local sports information. Now, let's get into my conversation with Dave. But first, I guess it's appropriate that we play a track. How about a track from Grid Failure with Megalophobe? Let's go with Burn Pits and then my conversation with Dave.
you grew up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I often bring up on the podcast or wherever about how there's a sneaky amount of like underground and extreme music that for some reason came out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, or has something to do with Lancaster, Pennsylvania. (laughs) So for you, when did you find it? How did you find it? The punk underground, hardcore, whatever you want to call it. Where, Where did you get in and how in Lancaster, Pennsylvania? Um, I didn't even grow up anywhere near the city. I was in Safe Harbor Village. It was down below Conestoga. So, like, to get to anything at all, you had to leave my town to get to Conestoga to get to Millersville, which was still south of Lancaster. You know what I mean? It was, you know, I was way out. I was just straight out in the woods. So there was nothing going on. Um, And I guess I was in, like, fifth grade. And there were these, you know, the the older kids in the neighborhood, this very tiny neighborhood in the middle of the woods. And there was this parking lot. Uh, behind uh, one of the buildings and uh, there was like a basketball court and everything put in there by, you know, by the, by the, the village. But uh, the, the high school kids, one of them brought brought in a launch ramp, you know, these old kids were skaters and I was in skateboarding, you know, like fifth, third, fourth, fifth grade, whatever. And, uh, you know, they would just pull up and start skating and pulling like crazy tricks. And I was up there, you know, trying to hang out with the older kids, whatever. And they'd be playing anthrax and faith no more. And, and that kind of stuff so you know by the time yeah like fifth grade hit and like the real thing was out faith no more everything was like that, that's kind of when i started getting into that and anthrax everything way early but it wasn't like i stayed in that forever i mean I, you know with the seven you know junior high and everything else and you're just trying to feel out who you are i would listen to whatever dance music with the school dances just listen to stuff on the radio went through like all these different you know what you you know hear as a kid or whatever i guess you know, always kept hearing more heavy bands and, you know, more punk oriented stuff. By the time I got to ninth grade, it was like pretty much all on trying to hear rock and, and, and punk. It just is everything to the, you know, that was pretty much it. It was like music was consuming me by that point, you know, it was tape collect, uh, you know, for years and years at that point. So, but that's like around eighth or ninth grade. That's like, I guess ninth grade. That's when I really got into the misfits and every dead Kennedys and everything else. And that, uh, you know, Dan who and T who we formed the militia men with like that was our band. And uh we all got into different pockets of, of punk and metal and, and whatever differently. And uh everybody would talk about, you know, what they were into, would trade and borrow and listen to stuff at each other's houses and everything. And it just kind of exploded from there. I got into death metal and, you know, it was just like I probably got into three thousand bands and six years or something you know what i mean it was just like and you know there was no nothing digital back then you know in the middle of nowhere growing up so um but yeah that was that was pretty much the whole root of it in in lancaster was because the only place doing the big metal shows anything on tour anything you want to hear about was at the chameleon and you couldn't get in there uh they just yeah they just closed up last year i guess finally just yeah i got a piece uh, of the stage on my wall (laughs) (laughs) just so many shows there once i could get in but you know even even the quote underage shows were 18 or maybe 16 or something so when you're 13 you can't do anything but you'd see a bunch of kids in crazy jackets you know booking fire halls and we were just getting into punk and everything and it was like we could go for five dollars and get dropped off by a friend or something and like you know what i mean And, and go see six punk bands or something you know what i mean it was like you were kind of just you know, and so that was kind of by default already getting into punk. And then that was just kind of the scene that was there. And I guess 
when you ask about like the origin of why you know why Lancaster and everything because yeah, yeah. It, it's so because it's so conservative because it's this east coast bible belt you know what i mean there's just such yeah. an incredible population of very religious people you know and it's not just you know i i grew up in like an evangelical christian type of home and everything just became you know by the time you're a teenager like everything becomes a discussion and you're wondering why and you're questioning you know what you've been raised in uh in church and everything as, as a kid and and all of a sudden, everything is an argument, and you know what I mean. It's it's it, it's it's angering for people who want answers beyond blind faith. You know what I mean, and mm-hmm. and that's kind of it. Like it, I, there's a lot of you know, and again, I know it's changed a lot since I lived there, and it always you know everything is constantly evolving. But it was really very small town where I grew up, and I'm not saying I grew up in some kind of like clan town or anything, but there's just a lot of embedded, you know racism and you know just just a lot of things that like when you start to think about them in a different way when you're feeling out who you are as a kid makes you angry and so it's not like you know it's the same thing as you hear where the hotbeds of punk and everything blew up and everything it's it's you know it's not just social economic stuff it's like you know just rebelling against your parents and it's not just because i want to wear a stupid haircut it's because i disagree with what i'm hearing around me you know like people are angry about shit like that when you're 13 14 15 you know and figuring your life out and you're questioning things yeah it's interesting you bring it up that way or you you talk about that way the because because i think i grew up just across the river and i'm aware of now i'm aware of all the you know the very religious area like the, the very religious area that is lancaster i know I, I don't think i ever put it together that it makes sense that there would be not necessarily resistance but a a counter to all that and usually that will produce uh, some art for yeah. uh, for for a broad term and uh there's like I, I always mentioned there's so much so many people that came out of here that have their hand in what i think are very cool things in extreme music you yourself being one of them um relapse records can be traced back to yeah. here uh yeah. we still have young blood records a great you know great uh, hardcore label we had ci even if you want to include i mean you can still include in my i'll just put it this way in my neighborhood there are two members of like metalcore people that are living off of that they own their houses from their bands right you know what i mean yeah. they're playing metal mm-hmm. and they're living and like it's just a weird this is a weird place for it all to to come from and uh and it's always interesting to me to think about how and why it came from here. yeah but for it's for you, Lancaster specific, it's that whole like all the way up through, you know, north of there, you know, up through yeah. it's the whole area, uh, Lehigh Valley. I mean, it's all up through. It's everywhere. I mean, there's very working class areas, everything else, and there's there's you know there there are different elements all the way up through there. I'm not trying to categorize a whole county or anything else, but yeah, the concentration of of the religious types all the way through that whole part of Pennsylvania is, you know, it, it's outrageous. You know, it, it's, it's so, and I'm not defaulting, you know, humans for having religious beliefs, but, you know, whatever, like, you know, yeah, I, no, I, I don't have an issue with them having a thing. It's just an interesting more like contrast. When, yeah. That, that's the thing about that. I hate about religion. If you want to believe in something that I don't believe in, that's cool. But when, you know, your solutions are things that are based in a blind faith versus fact. I have a problem with that. <laughs> like, right. you know, I, I, I like science and shit. So it's, you know, <laughs> facts matter. So yeah, like I, I always have a problem with organized religion, just, you know, as a teenager, I always battled everything. And, 
you know, you know, politics still comes up as a heavy, heavy topic with my family. And we try to stay off it, especially the last bunch of years. It, there's been some some real boilers, you know, whatever. But we try to just come back to the fact that we can agree to disagree and be humans again, because I think that's right. been lost. You know, that's that's oh, especially over the last few years. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. It's like you got to be enemies now. That's the only yeah. option. But yeah. so so locally, you're getting into you're getting the music. I know, of course, that you, that you have the band Militia Men. Is Militia Men the first band that you did? Yeah, it was that group. We, we were we were initially called Dementia Thirteen, and uh, we didn't really know what we were yet. It was definitely a punk thing, but yeah. it was a lot of uh, very loose, a lot of grungy stuff, a lot of just kind of rock thing. We're tr- just feeling out what we were doing. And like every month we get more and more into more punk and everything and things would get a little like, I don't want to say tighter, uh, more rapid, you know, more condensed, a little faster, like, you know, just kind of, it just kind of evolved. And uh, Dementia 13 was, was like a very metal name and we had all this like sort of Night of the Living Dead sort of look and you know what I mean? We were going for this more like horror thing and it was like, that's not what this sounds like. It, it just doesn't make sense. And I remember the uh, the uh, the Oklahoma City, you know, federal building bombing happened or whatever. Yeah. And it was the whole yeah. Michigan militia and all this, you know, crazy right wing militia shit and, and that whole thing. And we were just kind of like militia men. Like, that's it. Like, all of our stuff <laughs> is about, you know, is, yeah. is about like, you know, jocks and fuckheads and bad politicians. And you know what I mean? It was like already there. So it was like, let's pick on these army you know fake you know separatist human you know what i mean it was just like yeah. let's be the militia man you know we just took this very political you know army rubber stamp sort of logo <laughs> camouflage kind of look you know and just it was just and it was at that point it was you know we were fast like rapid punk you know it was much more right. hardcore we all got into that discord uh uh you know, the year, uh, year and seven inches, 1981 discord. Mm-hmm. We all got that. And like, it just changed everything. We were just like, <laughs> wow. We're like already almost sounding like this. Like now we, you know, we just kind of figured it out and then it opened this whole world of like what we were supposed to be doing, I guess, or what, you know, what, what it gelled, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It was, what, what else was happening locally then? Was there, was there any other local bands in the area? Not necessarily just Lancaster, but you know, Lancaster, York, yeah. Reading, whatever. Yeah, like we, you know, in high school, we, we were already making a lot of connections just to whoever, anybody who played music. We were trying anything. We did, I think, I forget if we were the Militiamen yet or if we were still, I think we are still Dementia 13. And we even did a rap song with this kid, Mario, we knew in high school. And he wanted us to do, he did this like slow, chill, sort of like maybe early horror for sort of you know, chill thing or whatever. And he wanted us and we just came in and did this boop, boop, bop, bop, boop, boop, you know, wee, and like, you know, and just and played this, our version of a slow down pump. We, we were trying anything and just trying to, you know, meet people and, and uh, get more into things. And we started playing shows pretty early, you know? Yeah. So we started meeting just whoever, random people, random bands, everything else, but corrupted image records opened their store. Now we would have been 11th to 12th grade, I guess, when the store opened. But uh, anyway, she's talking like the mid '90s, and all of a sudden, Corrupted Image opened the store there. So all of a sudden, we didn't have to go try to find, you know, something less commercial than Bad Religion at Sam Goody at the mall. Like there was this punk rock store that we could just, and we were all getting our driver's license and stuff at this point. You know what I mean? So like all of a sudden, we could just drive to this joint 
and by punk and boy and you know whatever just just you know all the integrity and earth crisis and strife and dead guy you know all the victory hardcore's blowing yeah. up and it's you know all of a sudden there's a store selling all this stuff and uh you know stuffing vision seven inches and whatever for the uh, you know record release and everything it's like everything we're doing is like happening right in front of us so dan and i would just hang out there for hours and hours not at school just talking shit and hearing everything we could and meeting people and being annoying as hell and eventually like jeremy or mike would have to run out and and get dinner or go do something at home or whatever be like you want to watch the store for you know a half hour like yeah, yeah of course what the fuck you know and you know they'd come back and be like here you can have my last two slices of pizza you want some you want like 20 bucks and a couple of vision seven inches or, you know what i mean it was like yeah 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 okay i'll sit here and help hold, fold the rest of the pressing or whatever it was just like you know and all of a sudden that was like this lightning rod because there was punk scenes all over lancaster like all over lancaster county all north of there all through P- like all around us and we just didn't quite know it there was no internet there was no you know, any shit like that back then there was a me and dan used to go attack people in message boards on like AOL or something and right, right. House. someone had a computer but like it was you know there was no phones there was no, it was it was it was totally different you know before the, the technological advances of you know the 90s 2000 thing so all of a sudden there was like oh there's Redding and there's Gogglersville Fire Hall and there's Bearville and there's you know all these joints you know like just doing shows and outdoor stuff everything that's when we started getting all of our shows and playing with everybody just all around we, you know as the militia man we played i don't really have a number we played a few dozen shows you know over mm-hmm. you know a few years just with you know duct tape cancerous reagans all you know that was like our th- those were like the guys that we were always playing with like we wanted to play with like the casualties and violent society and that was the kind of stuff we were kind of that was what was kind of blowing up and and existing yeah. at that point and that's pretty much the vein we were at you know is this discord meets street punk mohawk like ripping you know exploited you know kind of thing and uh very popular in this area for a long time too oh, yeah. not just yeah. not just like a normal three-year period this that that yeah. that phase went like 10 years long oh it went forever it would be i mean it was just it was already in existence all over the place you know what i mean right. at that point rancid's on the radio and everything you know rancid's on album two or three and there's videos and whatever so mohawks and everything are they're out there whatever but you know in lancaster county it was like these weird kind like i would go to the grocery store with my mom with some fucked up haircut and she would just like walk behind me purposely just to watch all the people like you know they they look like you're walking around with a hammer sticking out of your head or something you know what i mean like those areas and it was just so fun to just walk into the bank with like covered in studs and spikes and fucked up haircuts and boots and everything and have them be like you know get this look of fear and be like hello ma'am how are you i'm here to cash my paycheck from my job you know what i mean like you know yeah. and just be all nice and courteous and, and they'd think you were out of like a police academy movie a criminal out of some you know <laughs> like 80s movies it was, you know it's, and it was it was ridiculous you know so it was, it was a lot of fun when you realize these kids are all over the place out there so yeah, let's drive forty-five minutes north and go see the boils and the casualties and submachine, whoever at like Bearville or, or I mean, you know, yeah, like Gogglesville or any of the, you know, up in Reading, anything. But then we also realized there's a lot of uh, like Nazis. There's a lot of you know. We started realizing there's factions of of crazy fascism, and you know, those guys would come in and attack and you know 
really just maul people at shows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like East Coast hammer schemes and stuff, you know, would just do horrible. There was like death threats on people and anti-racist action, which is like a pre-Antifa thing. Like they would show up and defend people. It was, it was a really crazy, crazy time in the, you know, that like mid nineties stretch of, of everything back there. We saw insane riots and fights and everything. And it's, you know, it, it was just, nor it was just normal to like hey we have to fight nazis you know like it's weird <laughs> it's it, and it's it's i think it's so hard to have that make sense to younger people now and i'm glad you know i'm glad for that right but you know it's it's just so funny to like because it sounds like bullshit right <laughs> like it all it all sounds like like wait, it wasn't like we listen- were like hey let's go to shows and start fights it's like like hey like oh i know we're trying to go have roadhouse it was like no you show up and like there'd be people actually fighting people or threatening somebody or, or whatever and you know what do you do like stand around and you know no like you had to stand up and it was it was just kind of nuts that that it was so you know prevalent and ignored in society in general but would mm-hmm. you know it's boil up at like at punk underground shows and stuff like that it was, it was it was odd it was like when you watch american history x and stuff like that you know what i mean like that's like a i always thought that was kind of a cheesy example of the whole thing right. because it's not it, you know it wasn't like you had to go to some barn off the grid or whatever to you know see a you know this representation of like the clan and nazi elements i mean these guys would just show the fuck up <laughs> at the fire hall you know thick <laughs> You know, yeah, like, it's nasty. <laughs> and, and thankfully, uh, mostly gone. I guess there was a bit of a resurgence lately, but uh, as far as I know, there hasn't been any problems locally for a very, very, very long time. And I don't, I don't well, imagine that'll resurface. Country. It's, it's, yeah, it's rampant in the country right now. You can just see the news. I mean, now you know, and you know, it, it's everywhere. But yeah, it's it's the music scene is is a different thing now. It's it's cleaner and safer and there aren't really like the the hardcore gangs and things like that that there was a lot you know everybody was fighting each other over diet and you know there was like (laughs) christian hardcore nice you know the ska and like you know just you know fsu and there was just such a vast you know you wanted to be a straight edge kid because it looked cool and the hardcore was awesome but you know you wanted to be a drunk punk because you wanted to you know drink and get nuts and you want to you know what i mean you're pulled in all these directions you're in high school and like all of a sudden you're into all this stuff and all these politics are around you everybody's fighting each other about what they're eating or wearing on their shoes and stuff you know it was it was wild like so that's why over the years like i always held you know uh, you know a a political stance or a personal stance or whatever but you also can't be like well just because uh you know maybe i'm not eating meat right now and you eat meat that we can't you know what I mean? People like yeah, we're yeah. building up these alliances against each other and stuff. It's like you can't worry about shit like that necessarily. You can educate people and, and talk and, and do all the stuff, but you know there are real, true enemies, and that's who you should be worried about collectively. You right? Know, and we'll figure all the other stuff out in the middle. <laughs> you know that 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 I think that has helped cleanse the scene of a lot of the, you know it's really difficult and you know and and also there's club shootings and fires all kinds of shit that's happened in the last 20 we're talking about 30 years ago so yeah. security is different technology is different cameras are different you know what i mean it was the cameras are everywhere and they'll capture everything and everybody will record and yeah that uh in some ways is a, is a benefit maybe keep some mischief down but you know so but it seems like for you 
uh, seems uh, just this is just my perception. It seems like that you've uh, maintained pretty broad tastes as far as underground extreme music. Was it? Were you always like that? I guess so because I got into so much all at once. You know, it was like really the first stuff I was into was Anthrax and you know Faith No More and Metallica and everything else. But uh, you know, yeah, then all the punk stuff and everything, and then hardcore and then death metal, and, and just from there, like just never ended. Plus, you know, then you get black metal, and I started listening to experimental, you know, whatever in between it, whatever. And uh, you know, of course, growing up in the nineties, you're like you're bred on hip hop in some way or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of there. And that's something that I've more and more grown to over the years. And like my grandmother got me into jazz maybe 20 years ago before she passed away. And then like, I got since then way, way in the jazz. It's like, as I get older, I keep expanding further and further and further out, but there's always still, uh, you can't ever hear every punk band. You can't ever hear any death, yeah. every death metal band. Like there's always room to explore or whatever. It's just, you know, especially now with how much is out there, you, you'll never hear everything. Everything. So you, you sort of need to pick your battles. Yeah. And then when you find stuff that you really gravitate to, then just keep focusing on it. But like, don't ever be over. Like I, you know, there are areas where, where all I listened to was that, straight edge gnarly 90s metalcore stuff like that was it you know all day long right. every day was victory record stuff and turmoil and you know whatever it's like yeah i don't know it's i you know it i think you you need that flexibility you know what i mean it's it's kind of difficult like there, you can when people say like i don't listen to this at all or i don't listen to that at all i think that's about the most ignorant thing you can ever say you don't have to love hip-hop if you're like i don't listen to one single rap song ever like you're full of shit you know you're a nerd too yeah that's <laughs> no that's i mean that's i obviously agree that's what i do with this you know i don't give i i it's we're talking punk hardcore metal death metal whatever i do not give a shit as, as long as i like it and i think it's kind of, i think it can be to my personal detriment sometimes that i try to listen to so much Every week, I listen to everything new. I try to listen to everything new, and I keep a folder on my phone, and it's I do it all day long, earbud in the ear, album to album, and I listen to the whole album of everything. And it's just like an endless cycle. And like I was just thinking earlier today, I was at the gym, and I was like, why don't I listen to something that I like? Like you know what yeah. I mean? Like like something yeah. old that I like. Like not not that I was listening to something new that I didn't like, but it was just like, well, I don't know, you know, why don't I spend some time with the shit that I I know yeah. I love? Yeah, <laughs> I rarely what do. do. You want you want you want a catalog of like the the uh, the ones and zeros of what your brain has processed, or do you want like the thirty records that you could you know they're always talking about the desert island shit. You know what I mean? Right, it's right. like there, it, it's you need both because you can't only listen to four records for the rest of your life, and you know yeah, there's no point. But, to I, it. but I, I always want to find the other record. You know. Yeah, yeah, but I, I always want to find that other record I'd take to the desert island. You know what I mean? Like the, that's yeah. the that's the that's what I'm always looking for. But so right. you mentioned like getting into the more experimental stuff and some of the jazz stuff, which I know you incorporate into what you're doing now with grid failure. When did grid failure start, and how did you determine that this is what you wanted to do? It started just sort of as an experiment. Like I was, uh, I hadn't been in a band after I after Lancaster and everything. I moved down to Philly. 
And I started, uh, militiamen kind of dried up after I moved to Philly. And that was probably because I moved away, you know, and T came down like a year later or whatever, but, and then Dan started bands back there. But when I got to Philly, I got way more of the hardcore metal and, uh, I started dead by dawn. And then after that, hide Nick. And after, uh, had sort of a, you know, just basically got, you know, hide Nick basically just kind of fired me one night uh wanting to take this other direction and you know whatever and that was basically what i had made like like it was grinding blasting whatever we had you know played a million shows at that point we were playing all the relapse stuff and, and it was just you know what we had and they wanted to you know take it in this other direction and it just kind of like was ripped out from under me while we were recording our debut record you know we were in the studio already for like you know a couple of sessions and whatever so after that i was already uh engaged uh to my now wife you know 18 whatever how many thousands of years <laughs> like we were already engaged in, and i was going to new york all the time anyway so i just kind of moved up to new york and then once i got up to brooklyn i didn't have another band forever like all i had i had to work so much for for so like philly was like pennies compared to living in new york city right, it was, it was right. increased just like you know survivability money you know and that was kind of consumed everything but that's eventually like how ear split became what i did for a living so we were working with a million bands at once i was immersed in music and the scene and the industry and everything else but just not there was no real band that came out no no, no real project that i was you know working on uh, a few random things would happen here and there but it was really about a 15 year gap so i started playing bass again uh just kind of like started wanting to do something again and i started playing with a theologian who lived you know, the creator of that project is like right over the hill from me. And it was the first time I was ever immersed in any, in, in like anything really experimental. Like, you know, I, I've listened to tons and tons of, at this point, industrial or post-industrial or dark ambient or straight noise or whatever for years. You know what I mean? You know, the Mersbau or something like that in, in the nineties. And it's, you know, yeah. like, the Melvins doing stuff like I was always into the, the weird, you know, the weird noise tracks that hardcore bands or, or metal bands or whatever would do between their records or Melvins would do to get out of a record contract or integrity whatever. would throw some in there. Yeah. Yeah. I would always like, yeah, integrity is perfect. They were so evil and mysterious and all those Clevo clans and whatever, all this like hard, like all this mythical, you know, people getting stabbed at shows and however evil and satanic you know whatever integrity is but then you hear like just side warfare or, or like the, the tracks to again to just fuck with the label or you know put this b-side shit or, or a loop track or whatever and it's like i always focused like i always was like that's awesome you know it doesn't have to be just vocals and verse and chorus and vocals and verse and breakdown or whatever it's like there can be these insane passages going on that are like either cinematic or make you envision something or just annoy the shit out of people or yourself or whatever until you you know get into it and understand it so i guess it was never really a conscious like i'm going to go listen to weirdo shit you know decision it's just always sort of been you know you know mike Patton's one of my you know favorite artists uh, in any way you know he's that's not just like going singer you know look at all the whack shit he does and creates and <laughs> You know, it's like Phantomus is one of my favorite bands ever. And it's like the craziest shit you'll ever hear. You know, it's just. I saw Phantomus with Tool in 2001, and I was still pretty young then. So uh, it, was a, it was, oh, yeah, they were getting booed. But I was so not into it that I think I, I think I legitimately fell asleep 
while they played, which is pretty hard to do for Phantomus. But yeah, that was like I was not having it when in two thousand one. That was not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure for that tour, like the the Tool crew, I'm, I'm pretty sure like they never turned down the house lights or yeah yeah even even put Phantomus into like the PAs and shit like that for the arena. Like you had to be up front <laughs> to hear it. Like they were kind of dicking with them anyway. So like I heard. You know, from oh, I remember the lights being on. Yeah. <laughs> we, we saw them. We got there late for. It. We got there as Phantom was, was was closing. I think when we finally got to that show of that tour. But uh, yeah, it was, yeah, they, they they cut their set and everything else. I think you know, <laughs> random shit. So I heard. But anyway, so I, I cut you off. So you were getting, you were talking Mike Patton and bands like that, and how you were into that stuff. Yeah, I just it was never. There's always been this exploratory, you know. There's always this other shit to hear, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I always had that, that curious, you know, kind of thing. So, um, just listening to more and more noisy shit over the years or whatever. With Theologian, it was the first time I was involved in something after so many years, and it was the first time I was doing anything like with the accessories. Like I could just like use pedals. I didn't need guitars or amps or anything. I could I could do shit with like a table of some random pedals wired together and like you know, buy some weird contact mics and you know what I mean? It was the first time doing anything like that. And it was under the direction or the, you know, creation or whatever of another person was their project. And I was involved with it for a bunch of records, recording shows, everything else for like a year or so. And then it, it, I I started grid failure within that because instead of just recording over there at his spot, I was trying to figure out how to do more stuff here at night, you know, just recording without having to drive over and, and take gear over the hill or whatever. So, um, I just started recording here, um, just just figuring shit out, just experimenting, basically. You know, I have no training or anything. I don't have any good equipment, like, you know, yeah. just gradually upgrade piece by piece, a little thing here and there, but it's pretty grassroots. It's just like a basic thing I just started doing. And then the fallout with Theologian happened pretty, like, within two weeks of me releasing the first Grid Failure record in 2016. So I started Grid Failure technically, I guess, 2015, no, no, it was early 2016. It was like that February or something, uh, just amassing some ideas and, yeah, taking random recordings from this, you know, trying to figure shit out for a theologian or whatever. And all of a sudden, I just started figuring out the layering and editing process and started, like, kind of creating these soundscapes. And that's just where grid failure kind of came from. Uh, the fact that theologian and I had a separation of ways right there all of a sudden grid failure became this project that I hadn't thought beyond the first record yet. You know what I mean? Right. Like I just, this thing and, and it was, it was pretty just dark and fucked up and I just didn't really know what to do with it or whatever. And uh, then all of a sudden it was like, well, this is kind of a thing you have now and you don't have theologian, but you have, you're, you're like doing stuff. Like I just, I was like, I'm not gonna have another 15 years where I'm not doing shit with a band or something again. Like, let's just go. And yeah, I, I don't know. That was yeah, 2016, and I have I think 34 records or something on Bandcamp. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was going to get to. That I, I think Go. you're. Are you referring to ensuring the bloodline ends here? Is the first one? Yeah. Is that the first? Yeah. So that's right. that's the first one you do, and then that's what I was going to say. And then ever since then, you've just been churning <laughs> shit out like crazy. I can't believe. I honestly, I can't believe. Sometimes when I, I get another email, like, "Are you fucking kidding me again?" Like, <laughs> yeah. like so. Backtrack a little bit. Grid failure. So what's the name? Is that just uh, just sounds cool, or was that something you had in the tank you're waiting to use for something? I. Yeah, I had like one of those sheets of all these possible band or song titles or phrases or whatever, just kind of like hanging in this binder. And 
you know, I was always working on something anyway, like wanted something to happen. There was always all that back burner shit. Like I do a band again, that kind of thing. So I was always like writing shit. I think a lot of the lyrics and everything came actually during uh, Hurricane Sandy. Uh, we got hit really hard up here by the uh, the wind. Like we had a ton of rain, but the wind here was, it, it was like unbelievable, like ground zero, category five, hurricane storm winds. Like, and you know, just, it was unreal. Like all the power went out at, you know, started raining at like three in the afternoon. The power went out at like seven and uh, we were out of power from that. From, <clears throat> we had no electricity for, I think, eight days from, from oh, that sure. point. But, I mean, it was cold. Yeah. Um, but like, I've always been very ecologically, uh, you know, concerned. I'm, you know, I love the outdoors and nature and I'm kind of the science dork just about ecology and everything. And, you know, I just, I always had this huge appreciation for nature and the outdoors and ecosystems. And, you know, I always thought the older I get, the more I think that humanity is this like plague on the planet. And we, we're so dependent on electricity and PlayStation fives and Jordans and shit. It, it's just like, it's fucked up that, you know, entire forests are wiped out for like another mall, you know? And, and my dad, I grew up, like I said, down Safe Harbor, he worked at Safe Harbor Dam my whole life. And all he, you know, we always went down to the dam and look at these transformers and lines and all this other stuff. So we were just down there on a random walk, a random hike. It's cold as shit. We were up there, uh, you know, this observation site or whatever. And I had taken some photos of like barbed wire and the stuff that, you you know, in the first record, when you look at the layout yeah. and everything, there's like barbed wire, just these harsh transformers and stuff like that, that I kind of, you know, industrialized in the photo and everything. And it just kind of clicked. I looked at it and I had written all this stuff during Sandy. We were over here with like an AM shower radio and candles and we couldn't even work. Your split was dead in the water. We couldn't do anything. We had cats. We were trying to wrap all our cats in blankets and everything. And we we're just in there in candles. And I'm trying to paint walls and work on the house because it's all there is to do. And listening to AM radio talk about our whole neighborhood and our whole East Coast being wiped out and everything. And it was just kind of wrote all these horrible, like just, just sad, fucked up lyrics or ideas or names or whatever. And then it came <laughs> together when I was putting this grid failure material together. And it all clicked. You know, the electrical, the power grid, the the human dependence on the planet, the human resentment of the planet from destroying their property. And, you know, it just kind of clicked. It's grid failure. It's like, you know, you turn out the power and everybody loses their mind. It's like, you know, if the, you know, a country doesn't have power for two days, it's going to be beyond anarchy. It won't even, you know, we won't. The other countries won't even have to invade us with tanks and shit. They just got to turn the power off for three days and we'll kill each other. You're probably you're probably totally right about that. <laughs> so has that been the, basically the theme for grid failure since then? Is that the, that's the whole idea? Yeah. That's the concept. It's basically a concept project. I don't I don't know. What do you do? You call it a band? How about that? That's a that's a strange question. It's a strange answer. I don't have. It's it's yeah. kind of all of that. <laughs> like it's a. I, I refer to it technically. I guess it's my my solo project, but I kind yeah. of treat it as like like a cult or something like mm -hmm. there's so many collaborators and contributors that take part in this thing. Yeah. And, uh, I we've turned it into a live act, you know, since 2018 and playing shows, um, except for the pandemic. And it's, we've never once had a plan for any of the shows. Like it's, I'll find a drummer and normally, uh, Ben from, uh, a megalophobe who have done, you know, three records with now, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. He'll, uh, he'll play accordion live. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's got it cracked into a, you know, a pedal setup and everything else. And it's uh, a drummer. I've also done solo shows. I've also done stuff with just... Uh, Rich Muller on drums and me on and me on vocals. Like it, it's it's been. Uh, I met the one kid. Uh, it, we were playing St. Vitus, and uh, Greg brought uh, his his friend out, and it was going to be this this two drummer setup, but we couldn't get I guess another set or something like that. But anyway, um, I, I met this I met this kid like an hour before we were playing for the first time. And we were just like, well, we don't have this other drum kit, so let's do vocals again. You just do vocal spasm, whatever. He's a huge Patton fan, too. So it was just like, yeah. you know, like you just go do whatever the fun. We just did that. It was drums and two vocalists, like in the dark with projections. And you know what I mean? It's like it's 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 taken on pretty much any entity it possibly could. There's jazz, there's Americana, there's, you know, there's just everything infused into this sort of uh, noise or dark ambient or post-industrial or just mm-hmm. apocalyptic sort of, uh, I don't know, soundscape. So I, I don't right. really know how to refer to it as far as a genre or if it's a band or a project or a, you know, a farce or, you know, <laughs> like I, <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm really good at turning out content, but I'm not good at, you know, uh, categorizing or, or summarizing or, ta- you know, like, understanding it maybe i'm not sure well it's it's so, difficult yeah, it's, really it's difficult to understand it, it's all dark and and like you said it's very dark and resentful and, and angry at the you know you at humanity whatever but and there's concepts throughout it so i guess that's the overall name and concept of it but then i have uh other concepts like undercurrents within the whole thing so i have there's a series called when the lights go out that i normally put out on halloween and things like that. And that that's mostly like uh more like instrumental and ambient and creepy more mellow just like shit you could play on your porch for halloween and you know trick-or-treat right. and stuff like that and you know kind of like mellow dark ambient stuff there's not a lot of harsh antagonizing like confrontational vocals or like heavy guitars or any kind of thing like that it's, it's more arid and everything and i'm in the middle of uh the Six Mass Extinction Skullduggery uh, concept series, which is five albums joined, and I'm about to release the third one early next year, and then there's mm. you know two more to follow that were my original second and third albums that I was going to release in like 2017 or whatever that are kind of at the end of this thing that work. It, it's you know I have like 20 or 24 I think right now like open projects on my computer, so it's just this. <laughs> curse you know it's just now it's just this like 
endless, endless, endless thing that I just do tons and tons of stuff with. So, yeah, it's. Do you lose track? Do you, is it hard to remember where you're at with uh, with each series? Because like I, I was going to ask you about the series. I know there's you've got quite a few, and uh, and and the other thing, do you lose track? And how do you know when to finish them? The how to finish thing is is that's always the weird question. It's one you guys like to ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you know when it's done? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. It's it's you just need to make the decision. Now, if you're if you're just making a record, you have the title and maybe the all the song titles and most of the music and everything. You know what I mean? It's like doesn't mm-hmm. like not everything I do is under a specific concept. You know what I mean? Right. There's just different. You know, there's those tense persons instrumentals records that I just kind of throw away sometimes and just kind of like give away on Bandcamp, you know, and that's just like random jams with friends and, you know, very random things connected together. And, you know what I mean? Just like kind of fun records to not throw material away, but they're also not, you know, on all the digital platforms or anything like that. They're just fun. They're just more, you know, for direct followers of the Bandcamp and things like that. It's right. Um, but as far as like when to, figure out something is actually complete it you know you got to look at it as like it's your own thing there's no answer to that so you need to just kind of make the judgment call on any one specific song or movement or, or whatever it is so with this six mass extinction skullduggery series you know there's these three records that i have set up as kind of like ongoing right now like the actual ongoing six mass extinction and then like i said those early two records that are teeth collection and drought stick that i've been working on since the beginning of grid failure it's like some of that stuff is included before grid failure was named and all that like early 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 stuff those are kind of like the post like after this apocalypse like after humanity eats itself you know what i mean that's yeah. kind of like that straight up the hills have eyes mad max sort of <laughs> wilderness you know radiated fucked up people living in a nuclear winter cannibalism like that's just the straight so it it, like instead of getting more and more technological it kind of does that in the first three and then it doesn't in the second two so it's and by the end of it you're listening to almost like a western sound like a spaghetti western soundtrack you know what i mean by the end of teeth collection so it's for those it's kind of like well now the record is here and the second one's here and now i'm finishing the third one so there has to be like i'm in that process now so i have to figure out the order within that record which makes more sense with itself within itself to have an arc within the record for the listener who's not listening to the entire series but if you listen to those first three together it makes sense you know what i mean so that's yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's fucked up so like i don't really have a method and you know my notes look like when they find the 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 shelves in you know kevin spacey's apartment in seven and it's just like you know, <laughs> right right today i saw a man on the subway and it's like this nut shit like that's what if you like line up my notes and everything that i have for like a song or a record on the table it looks like some straight up you know they should call the authorities kind of shit it's it's you know <laughs> so there's no real method it's just kind of putting things into a certain place you know well it's 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 very interesting stuff and it's it's interesting that it makes sense, like it makes total sense to you, and I don't, and I think that you're the only one that it will ever make total sense to, right? Like with ever with other types of uh, music or whatever, I think other people can it can be uh, interpreted however it's intended to. But but I think I mean unless you're going to sit there and explain to everybody what what each thing is, it's going to be tough to do. But I think that's that's also what makes it pretty cool. Do you know how much? Um, 
just out of curiosity, how how many hours you've recorded at this point on like out like no, <laughs> I, I I I can't even fathom that. I really can't. I mean, I'll record for hours and throw it away. Like right. I said, I have stuff for my record that's going to come out in two years from now that I recorded five years ago. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like there's just so much in there. Um, and then there's so many collaborative records with other artists and stuff. So I'm, I'm recording, you know, I don't sit down and like write, you know, I'm not classically trained in anything. I'll sit down and just create things like on bass or guitar or a drum machine or a, a, a couple of hand drums or whatever like there's just no real set thing so i'll just come in here some nights without here's what i'm working on here's the song here's the record i'll just come in here and just want to try out a new pedal and like right. drink beer fuck off you know what i mean like it won't even be anything <laughs> but i'll hit record and like do something i wouldn't have thought about or whatever and just happen to capture it so like yeah. wow i can hook that or figure that out better or whatever and all of a sudden you got this reference so you know, some of that stuff just becomes source material and you just start layering from there. And it, it's it's more like art class. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not really like a planned written thing. Like I write music for 17 instruments and then we put them down. It's like, no, this shit just keeps like, like coming up on shore as I'm like trying to, yeah. you know, rebuild my camp. Like more garbage keeps coming in. Oh, I can use that, <laughs> use that. You know what I mean? It's like keep building and kind of like, it's like Legos. You know what I mean? You're just like, well, I could build the firehouse, but I could build this crazy gnarly inverted like fucked up cave looking you know structure with like airplane wings and people's heads upside down you know it's like cool that's <laughs> yeah, no no i get it well it's kind of like free writing i get i get it um the you yeah. mentioned the co- collaboration a lot you you obviously have you have people collaborate with you where you t- i know from you know press releases and everything all the people that come in, go into what you do on each release right but you also do some of these like direct collaborations whether that's with mac i don't know how to say his last name correctly mac golahan or uh or like you said ben from megalophobe those are two specifically that i know that you've done a couple with how do you how do you like how did you determine like these two guys these are two people I'm going to work with did you know them outside of this before ben is a uh, the brother of like one of the best friends, high school friend, you know, best high school friends from of my wife. So my mm. Liz has known Ben for you know thirty some years or more, you know, and like I didn't know because I didn't grow up out here. But um, he's he's you know she's known him forever, and we came together through a uh, a cat. He was moving back from California, and we had to babysit his cat and uh, it was supposed to be a day a couple of days and we ended up keeping him for months now we ended up keeping him permanently because ben couldn't have him so uh i met him that way actually when he came to drop a cat off here a cat, and, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah so, nice. but uh then i think theologian was playing uh at a fest at a uh trans picos or whatever and ben was there and liz goes oh you know this, this is ben or whatever and i said yeah you have a." Uh, he said he just got an accordion you know he's like some science major he's like a science like a like a math scientist you know he mm-hmm. cracks yeah. you know numbers he's like whatever and he like an actual smart person he's an incredibly smart person he knows all these other smart people like he knows all these engineers and shit so he had them like help him everybody he asked like three or four different people like how would you crack open this accordion to like 
amp it up so we could put it into you know instrument cables to go to pedal boards and amps and shit like that and he had three different guys send him like a thesis or a sketch or a breakdown or whatever and he finally went with this one you know it's we, it just kind of came together with him uh just he came out here to record and we just sort of hit it off and what was going to be just recording a few jams became the basis for what will be our first collaborative record dendritic and it was like in an afternoon and we just kind of expanded the concept and made this record and then while we were harbinger winds kind of came out of that the new record we just released that's our third collaboration together that kind of came right on the 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 tail end of 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 the dendritic record but we started making this other shit we had ben, uh rob ben's brother over here and the three of us are jamming one day and rob's an incredible guitar player but this day he was playing my electronic drum kit and having a fucking blast with it playing just like old school like kind of backbeat stuff and me, ben and i were just like going insane on accordions and keyboards and just whack shit and we ended up having the stuff that just didn't make sense so we ended up making this second record Tasukete, which was our you know our second collaborative record it came out in between so we had to revisit the harbinger wind stuff like four or five times since 2017 to get it to its current state you know like where where it actually ended up in the end and we end up reverting so much to norm the beginning it evolved so many times and we just kind of cut back to the original thing and scratched it and by the time we were done with that record like it was just like like you you can like change your underwear and take a shower but then you put the same underwear back on it was like that it was un- <laughs> it was just like drinking out of the same water glass for weeks straight you know what i mean it was yeah. just it was gross we're like i just i love this record but i fucking hate this thing you know I, this has to be done we can't so we just like forged through it and kind of you know finally got it out but when grid failure plays live you know like i said ben comes in and just like you know anybody who plays live just has the balls to just kind of come in and improv like not have any plan or anything so it's those people are i'm getting along with very well you know what i mean right. it can't be yeah. some like i don't know about this guy like you know like we, we, if you're gonna come do that like we're gonna get along fine <laughs> so you know <laughs> ben's proven himself in about a thousand ways with 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 how to flex with grid failure i've contributed to his records everything else so that one's easy mac was introduced by a, a third party uh uh matt bacon introduced us i don't know yeah like again like 2016 or 17 it was right after grid failure started and uh i think he was trying to manage him at the time and mac was trying to get like max played with like onyx and blondie and david bowie and you know he's on he's played with every every jazz artist on the planet you know he was friends with miles davis like he, you know he, he, you hear him on gold bond commercials all day long on the news and everything he's on tv all day with jingles and stuff he's been everywhere on the mm-hmm. planet but he's always tried to go more and more underground because he likes creating weird shit you know he, he's really good at booking these he books shows all week he plays like three five times a week or whatever with just all kinds of gigs but he'll come over here and hang out in this garage he's recorded every great you know studio on the planet been around in the biggest arenas and everything and you know he'll come hang out in my half garage in a heat wave and record a jazz record you know what i mean it's like right it's 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 just you know we just really became friends as soon as we came in contact he's been on a bunch of grid failure shit um beyond our collaborative record he's all through a ton of records but uh yeah some of the other stuff that hasn't you know, i did the, the collaboration with walking bombs we've been friends with morgan for a bunch of years and he does this more melodic uh indie rock punk rock post punk sort of project that i don't know you know if someone hears that here's grid failure 
you're not gonna fucking do a record with that like what are you nuts you can't put that together you know it's and uh we did you know we just yeah, made it yeah. and had a bunch of people know <laughs> you know we uh, Laura from Kailasa play on it and like Mike from All Out War did some vocals and Brett Netson from you know Built to Spill played on it like just all these random people and everything and it, you know it, every, every single project like that with, with the collaborations is very cool because while Grid Failure doesn't have any boundaries it always si- kind of sounds disheartening and fucked up and confrontational but when I do stuff with these other collaborators having this complete opposite face or other end or something come in there it's a really cool contrast to dick around with and it gives me a little more mental leeway to like go hey i can be a little more tongue-in-cheek with this i can be a little more whatever you know what i mean it's like you could explore even further beyond the boundary free thing i think i already live in it's like wow now i'm actually going to lean into like right now i'm finishing up a collaboration with uh with uh graham scala's uh one solo project interstitia and it's like he does this cool like trip hop, you know, ninety like nineties, two thousands kind of, you know, techno stuff, but like mm-hmm. in this futuristic dystopian way. And it all sounds to me like dance music. Like the the shit that I would, you know, have run from before I, you know, ever, you know, got in you know what I mean? Like in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like so cool to like be doing this stuff now. You know what I mean? Just having these this hybrid of this weird techno and what i do and it's, it's really fun it gives you all the all these different options and you know it's really cool to work with people like in in just a way you wouldn't fathom it you know well you mentioned like exploring other other directions is there probably not because it sounds like you do whatever the hell you want but is there a is there a uh, direction of sound that you that you have in mind that you want to hit with grid failure that you haven't yet i think there's a lot of a lot more in this whole uh rhythmic tribal uh world music sort of sense that hasn't it, it's shown its face throughout brood failure but it's mostly present on like teeth collection and stuff like that it gets more into that yeah. sort of realm so that's records that are coming out in like probably two years from now or something like that but um <clears throat> i'm just always trying to become a little bit better at keeping time or anything so get a little bit better with guitar a little bit better with hand drum whatever whatever it is and just kind of explore anything I can within that. So, yeah, I'd like to do more in the like jazz realm and everything that I've been working mm-hmm. with, with with Mac and everything else. Because to me, that that whole world of, of like the more improvisational, you know, element of it, and it, the fact that it's one of those things that so much of society doesn't really get. People are like fuck jazz, I hate jazz, I fucking hate jazz. You know what I mean? People like like have this like venomous thing. It's like. Like, what are you, nuts? Like, what are you, crazy? Like, have you ever listened to, like, Bitches Brew? I mean, that's just, you don't have to be a fucking jazz critic to understand that record's phenomenal. Like, you'll listen to Pink Floyd, but you won't, you know, you'll listen to The Wall, like, 78 times a week, but you won't listen to Bitches Brew. Like, get out of here. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. So, like, the jazz world's this crazy, intriguing, you know, uh, body I'd, I'd really, really like to explore more. But I haven't really done anything directly hip-hop like i'd like to get better at creating beats within grid failure stuff not only to be able to create stuff without having to uh focus on drummers but like i just i love drums and percussion so for me i just want to get better at being able to play or record anything that has to do with percussion that's like you know what i mean because i to me i think that opens up more doors than anything 
You know, you can get better yeah. at guitar, play this style of guitar, but if you can play drums, I mean, that's anything in the world. You know, mm-hmm. like I mean, you can really play any kind of music, and it's just I don't know. It's first thing I hear, I can a shitty death metal record can have like 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 whatever guitars all over it, but if that drummer's killing it. Like I'll listen to the worst vocals on the planet to hear that drummer. You know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. Well, um, so you've done you've done a ton of stuff with Grid Failure. Yeah. You got to have a favorite though. What, what what's the favorite so far? I have a hard time with this one. Um, As you should. Some of the records, some of the records are like 100% me playing everything, and some of the records have like 20 people on there, and that changes everything because I think like as far as the thing Ben and I just put out, the Harbinger Winds record, that's definitely up there. Uh, the way we had like uh, Layla from Vastom and Mac and these other people and Sally from uh, Titan Attacking and stuff play on it, add that those jazz elements to it. Mm-hmm. Um, our friend Rosa with the clarinet thing, like that was kind of the basis for the whole record right there was that one jam. And uh, it that's definitely one of my favorites. Um, I think when it comes straight down to it, I love the Irrigum record a lot because that's 100% me. And that was after I had, you know, experimented and built enough records that I kind of was in the groove with what grid failure was, but I kind of incorporated all of the elements of, you know, acoustic guitars and stuff into harsh noise and industrial stuff and whatever. And I wrote, you know, every bit of the lyrics and, uh, and it's, it's got this just, I, I think it's probably the harshest and most demoralizing and, and it, it's straight up suicide soundtrack. It's like it's a terrible, terrible record, but like, I don't know. I think I just, the fact that there were no collaborators at all and i just played the whole thing in this one uh kept it in this in this one realm i think uh makes it one of my favorites um but you know and then the, the ongoing the six mass extinction skull buggery series that's coming out has some of the best songs that grid failures ever released because i have such amazing talented people playing on it. i have really good drummers and things like that scattered throughout so you might hear some totally out of time multi-layered fucked up backwoods cannibal soundtrack um and then there's like you know jared from secret cutter and orphan donor comes out on a song and just like devastates on the drums while there's just all this whack shit going on and max playing and just you know trumpets and you know whatever so i don't know it's kind of an ongoing thing and it's like i, I like i love it for what it is and i i work on it all and I, I create it all here even if there's other people playing on it like it's i'm doing all the editing and creating and everything um except on the, the fully collaborative records of course um but yeah i think i appreciate the people that want to take part and just kind of lean into this weird madness and have fun with it and you know like yeah. doing it that's that's the most uh maybe rewarding part of it all you know is working with these friends and peers who i see as phenomenally better musicians every way you know what i mean like that want to take part in this thing you know it's that's 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 the most you know eye-opening part where you're like you know i hear mac 25 times a day on that gold bond commercial on cnn or whatever and he'll come over and play in his fucking garage for this gnarly shit you know that, that's great <laughs> that is that's that's a i like that you said that that's a very cool thing because i also know how it is to have a project and to have friends that are musicians and you want their involvement in it 
and not all of them come over easily. You know, some of them make it obvious that they don't want anything to do with it. And the ones that, which is fuck them, but, and the ones that, uh, hey, they're good for the something one, else. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the ones that, uh, that do come over that do appreciate that do see it as something worthwhile. It, you do appreciate it. It's, you know, that's, yeah. Yeah, I, I understand what you mean there, totally. Yeah. That's cool. The, the, the sheer experience of playing in a room with people is awesome, even if you sound like shit together and it's not becoming anything and it's just for fuck, you know, fuck around sake. Just two humans holding guitars and sticks in, the thing, in a room or something or, or whatever in any kind of atmosphere is so, you know, cro-magnet or atavistic or just like ingrained in, you know, how, you know, music and language are, you know, some of the first forms of communication, you know what I mean? So right. it's like, it's just ingrained in us to, to do that shit. So to me, it's like, I don't really, like, of course, you're always trying to get better at this and get better at that, but grid failure is not a, so much of a structured thing that I'm trying to like, oh, we're going to make this record tight, you know what I mean? It's like, this is shit, this is, you know, this shit isn't tight. Even when it's tight, it's not tight, you know what I mean? It's not, <laughs> death you know prog guy type you know it's it's still fucked up and cinematic and there's tons of reverb and all this other shit so there's room for um, a lot of mistakes and and things that were unplanned to work their way in because it's Mm -hmm. mostly it's so much sound design and uh cinematic kind of delivery you know if you want to introduce somebody to grid failure where do you want them to start that's that's a tad i i i I have a terrible time with that. Like, I, I just don't, you know, like, I just don't. Well, what, it's kind of what like, would be the best representation, maybe? There's just so many facets of it, and they're all just so gross. Like, you might listen to <laughs> an hour of a record and only, like, four minutes of it or something. You know what I mean? It's just, there's just, like, like I, I find there's, like, standout parts, and there's stuff I would have done differently. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's like anything else. Like, you want to start watching, you know, Friday the 13th at part four, Right. Or like you just start on the first one. You know what I mean? It's like if, if you want to get into it, then just listen to the first one. And if you make it through that, then, you know, skip around. Um, I think the Hostile Alchemy record is really cool because it sounds very. Uh, that was the first time I had uh, Layla on a record and she incorporated both like with, with Vastum. She does like those really harsh, cavernous, disgusting vocals. And then with her solo stuff, she does this beautiful, ambient, dreamlike, you know, fairy, ghost-like voice stuff that's just beautifully on key. And she did both of those and some trumpet stuff. And I had, you know, uh, my friend Jeff from uh, Chrome Waves and Deeper Graves and everything else, he was on that record. And it was just a weird, uh, the first really... I don't know. It's a very dystopian sort of Blade Runner sort of record. You know what I mean? And it's it's not a project that's created for year endless or you know booking agents to get in touch or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like uh, it it is a very. Uh, <clears throat> I realize the the I realize that most people don't listen to anything that would be considered uh harsh noise or dark ambient or whatever you know what i mean it's, mm-hmm. it's it's experimental it's out there it's it's off the grid it's you know it is what it is so i think it's kind of rude for people to come from that kind of background and try to blow up you know what i mean of course like there's there's people that are you know doing great shit out there you know that are more from this ilk you know what i mean you see like you know full of hell i mean you know they even you know they 
ethanol pedals and everything else. You know, they're so drenched and entrenched in like the uh, like the harsh noise scene and everything else. But but I don't really have the expectations that a lot of people do, or like the, the like the yearn for it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. for for this to get out there. So it's more like like if you want to listen to it, that's awesome. If you make it through it and didn't throw up or something that's even better and if you come back and listen to something else i'm in love with you you know what i mean it's like it's you know really like there's so many records out there that if someone puts on 45 minutes of of you know what i put out i am incredibly thankful for that human even if they just want you know put my photo up on a dartboard for you know weeks after that you know it's it's to me it's like it went somewhere you know and it's fine so (laughs) Well, one last thing. Uh, what's what's next? You always got something coming. So what's next for Grid Failure? I literally have about 24 open records in my projects folder right now. Um, what I'm wrapping up right, right, right now, I'm finishing the Six Mass Extinction Skullduggery 3 record to come out in uh, first quarter or so of 2023. That'll be on the Farious Industries with the other two. And there's going to be a box set. We're going to put out the cassette for part two, which has been out for two years now and the cassette for three and a limited box set of all three packaged together. So I'm working on all of that, finishing the record and layouts and, you know, the box set idea and all this shit at once. Um, I have a few, two or three songs of vocals until I finish my collaboration with Interstitia, uh, which I mentioned earlier, that'll be out again in early 2023, a split with deeper graves, which is just all me with no collaborators and Jeff doing all deeper graves, probably with no collaborators. And that'll again be out. I, I don't know. We were talking about December, but now probably next year, but yeah, those three records are the next three things that are on the books. That doesn't mean I won't just finish a, when the lights go out for Halloween and give it away that night. I mean, right. you know, or throw out a record, a EP of some sort in November, just because like, you know, there's probably something like that that'll happen before the end of the year. So <laughs> well, that's awesome. I, I love how kind of unpredictable uh, this whole thing is. And if I don't know what's going to happen, I have nothing to hide, you know, like All I can't, right. I, oh, oops, I wasn't supposed to say that yet. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. So, you <laughs> know, I can't leave shit. <laughs>
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Dave Brenner of Grid Failure. The song you just heard was off of Harbinger Wins, the collaboration album with Megalophobe, one of many. But that track was called Alterations of Symbiosis. If you didn't know what noise was before you heard this, maybe you do now. Maybe you're interested. Maybe you're not. Maybe you say, this shit is not for me. And I think both reactions are uh, pretty normal. So, uh, So get on board or get the fuck out, man. But either way, thanks for listening to my podcast with Dave. Thanks to Dave for coming on to talk about grid failure. But really, thanks to Joel Embiid for just being a source of light in all of our lives. I want to remind you to go to gettingitout.net. Check it out, what's going on there. I got an interview I just put up with High Noon Kahuna. They're a surf stoner punk rock band out of Frederick, Maryland. Go read a little bit about that, what they got going on. New album called Killing Spree drops November 18th. I also am about to put up an interview with Stan. You might know him from Terminal Nation. He was a guest on Getting It Out podcast in the past. But this time, I'm talking to him about the Banging in the Rock Fest, which he's throwing in Little Rock, Arkansas, later this year in December. These are text interviews, by the way. You don't have to listen to shit. You can skim them. You can just look for the highlights. You can click the links. You can look at the photos like you already do because you can't read. But all that is available on gettingitout.net. That's going to be it for this one. Let's end it with a track from my Costa Rican friends, Culto Negro. This song is called Desdoble, or something like that. Go to Bandcamp, type in Culto Negro, check out what they got going on, pick up a tape. You'll love it. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.